It's time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. You heard it. It is time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gray, here with my co-host, Tom Abbey. Cheers, everyone. Good evening on a beautiful Wednesday evening here in western New York. I think we were in the high 80s today. Sunshine all day long. It's nice to finally have the weather making a turn, eh? Yeah, it's been so nice out here the last few days. Just a beautiful Memorial Day weekend, and it's kind of rolled right into this week. Yeah, you can't beat this, can you? Absolutely not. Broke out uh, a couple beverages tonight. See if we can get back to our roots here of the Hammered Sports (laughs) Podcast, right? Uh, What do you got in your cup tonight, Tom? Got a little Bombay gin. Yeah, Bombay Sapphire, right? Yes. Yeah. And I have uh, Kraken, Kraken and Diet tonight for me. So Those Krakens will sneak up on you, though, folks. Make sure you're uh, gambling okay. responsibly when drinking the Kraken. Yeah, I could learn a lesson or two from that, to be <laughs> totally honest with you. I think I just made $350 in bets on the NASCAR race tonight uh, while imbibing in the beverages. So. Tom, let her ride. <laughs> Tom, give us a quick rundown of the show we're going to have tonight. Yeah, we actually have quite a few things to discuss. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the match over the weekend, a little golf, and then we're going to talk about the NBA and NHL proposals um, as they stand today about reopening. Uh, we got another round of guest this player coming. Uh, we have a UFC preview. Uh, we're not going to go too much into it, but we're going to talk a little bit about this card Saturday night. And then the NFL rule proposals. We've got a bunch of rules they're trying to tweak a little bit. We're going to discuss each one of them and uh, see how that goes. Yeah, it's a loaded loaded card tonight, loaded agenda for us to go through. So um, let's kick it off with a little talk about the match. Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady falling to Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning, one up on the 18th hole. So it came right down to the wire, huh? Yeah, it was great. Um the quality of golf was better than when Phil and Tiger played one-on-one. Both of them were striking the ball better. More shots were made. Um, and it was way more lively and fun. I think that if if you're even a casual fan of golf, um, you really enjoyed this. The, some of the banter, uh, some of Phil's reads and his thought process of things as he's you know Phil's really playing it up to the camera a few times like and getting to see a lot of his great personality. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Tom, check your mic really quick. Is that is that on and registering? It just looked like it was it was reading low. So, um, little inside baseball, folks. So. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. You know, the, it was so much fun to watch. Uh, I sat here with uh, a couple of my buddies. We had uh, four or five of us sitting around watching the match, and it was just so much fun from start to finish. When uh, you see the the team jump out early with Tiger and, and Peyton. You could see that it looked like Tom Brady was feeling the nerves early on. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, he definitely, um, you know, you could tell that he felt a little bit out of his element with with some of it in the beginning, but obviously uh, a very good athlete kind of the competitive side of him took over and he dialed in a little bit. Um, you know, that that long, uh, what was it, an e- it was eagle, right, or birdie? Oh, when he made the eagle putt yeah, after the, the, after Mickelson knocked it on the green and no, won. Before that, that hole in seemed to loosen him up. Oh, that was, it ended up being a birdie. birdie yeah, yeah, he had to he had to chip out or take a penalty stroke, and then he holed it from the fairway. Yeah, that definitely helped the nerves a little bit. Once you get one good one in, you're like, all right, I can do this. Let's how, go. How fun was the commentary back and forth? You have he's like, shut up, Chuck, after yeah. he <laughs> nails it because Chuck was talking about what Chuck Bark Charles Barkley wanted a piece of him on the golf course. <laughs> he was gonna give him strokes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was a lot of fun. Justin Thomas was great. 
Um, it was nice to see him open up a little bit out there too. Like he was funny. Um, everything about it was entertaining. They raised twenty million dollars, which is just crazy. Money. Yeah, great number raised for COVID relief, and the entirety of the show was just entertainment. You know, it was five and a half hours of entertainment, and I enjoyed every minute of it. So I think partially with the lack of live sports anything i was going to be excited for but they put together a really good product and they need to keep doing this yeah and i think that there's um you know phil nicholson already kind of went at some guys on twitter saying hey who's going to be my next partner and tagged like jordan and steph curry and there's a couple others i can't think of romo i think was one of them so i mean there's definitely some uh want for them to do this again and you and i were talking about this that this could definitely be something they do every year uh, you know a one once a year little little thing that would be a lot of fun yeah and you know to me it looks a lot like the skins game used to look with the exciting fun entertainment um banter guys talking lee trevino was amazing in those skins games back in the early 90s he was so entertaining to watch you'd have like nicholas and trevino and chichi rodriguez yeah and um you know gary player or something playing in a skins game and boy talk about a a fun entertaining show and these guys reminded me of that they brought me back a lot of years and you know even the casual golf fan could enjoy this and the stuffy you know golf elitists i think that they enjoyed it too whether they want to admit it or not so that was i thought i thought it was a success all around six million viewers which is an insanely high viewing number yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I would imagine they wouldn't always get that number um, if they could do this every year. Um, you know, the the fact that there's nothing else going on and this was the first one. But, I mean, you'd still be able to do three, four million every time and, and definitely keep people entertained and interested. Yeah, uh, undoubtedly. It was, it was just so much fun to watch. Um, I don't know. I had some action on it. You know, there was all kinds of things that you could bet on. Yeah. Um, I took Mickelson and, and Brady because, you know, my thought is at, at plus 140 or whatever I got him at, it was worth it because you don't know what's gonna, what you're going to get out of the amateurs, and sure. you figure the Phil and Tiger are going to play pretty much on a level playing field. Um, but I did win some nice prop bets throughout the course of it as well with closest to the pins and longest drives. So it was they, they're making it fun with the gambling side and the gambling angle on these events now as well. Yeah, and then seeing them play a hole with one club, was so interesting to see yeah. the different choices in clubs. I couldn't believe that first one. Tiger played it with a four iron. Yeah, that was crazy to me. But he he did well on that hole, and it's yeah. just it's just odd. Um, but a little wrinkled, and that was what's fun about it. It was serious. They they played competitively. Obviously, they all wanted to win. You could tell. You could see those juices start flowing with about six holes to play. Yeah, but um, as Mickelson and Brady started to tighten it up, you could see that everybody was was like, "Hey, we're in this to win this thing." Yeah. So that was fun, but they also added some wrinkles to make it entertaining and not just, you know, your average golf match. Yeah. All right, Tom, what do we got next on the agenda tonight? So we're going to talk a little bit about, first we'll do the NBA. Um, The NBA plans are not official yet, but some of their um, ideas are kind of out there now. Yeah. um, On what they want to do to reopen. Go ahead and get us started with that, Kev. Yeah, so the NBA has a couple of proposals out there right now. Uh, one of which that I was just listening to tonight on Bill Simmons' podcast. Um, Kevin O'Connor was on the podcast, and he floated the idea of a World Cup-style tournament for the NBA uh, to determine their champion this year. And that would be four divisions of five teams. So the top 20 teams would be in this uh, World Cup-style format, 
and the top two teams from each group would advance to the second round of the playoffs, essentially, and then you would play it out with the top eight teams from there. So to me, that seemed like a really great format, a lot of fun. Um, it, it, it doesn't bring back some of the teams that are really the bottom dwellers in the NBA right now, uh, but it does add a little bit of spark. And what it would be is the top 20 teams. So there would actually be 12 teams from the West and eight teams from the East. Yeah. So that would get the best 20 teams in. The 20th team right now is San Antonio. I, I don't know if I want any part of Greg Popovich coach team with DeMar DeRozan on it and LaMarcus Aldridge as the, the 20th best team in the NBA no. right now. No. In a round-robin format, they would play each team in their division twice. and So it would be eight total games. And then the tiebreaker would be your regular season record. Yeah. So it sounded like a really fun format. Um, the other proposal that I heard was the top was it the top twenty eight teams, Tom? Uh, or were they going to do all thirty? I think they're going to do all thirty. Yeah, I think Cuban's proposal was all thirty teams are in uh, in a some type of a tournament format where the the teams that are outside of the playoffs right now. At, what was it, Tom? Like six through. I, I can't remember exactly what his format was, but it was um, an interesting kind of twist in bringing all the teams back, and they would play in a tournament for the top. That was it, seven and down or something yeah, like I think, that. I think seven and under. Yeah, seven through sixteen or something like that in each conference would be playing a play-in tournament essentially to get into the top eight. Uh, so it was. There's some really interesting proposals out there. Another one is the top 12 teams from each conference and having the teams play at the bottom end trying to get into the playoffs. I think they had, what, what was it, 7 through 12 playing in a, a play-in format as well. Yeah, the play-in format seems to be picking up a lot of um, kind of momentum here as we get closer to it. Um, the, the originally they were going to say they, they said they were going to try to announce something Friday, but now it sounds like that's getting pushed back. Um, you know, it does seem like they're going to try to play, you know, do the hub city kind of deal. Um, Disney has been talked about a lot. Yeah. Pinpointed. It, it seems like that's where it's going to be with, um, their relationship obviously with ESPN and ABC already being Disney. It makes a lot of sense to put them on there. Um, but I think either way, uh, they're definitely going to be playing. We're going to have some playoff basketball. There's going to be a champion this year. Um, the timeline is cool, if you ask me. Yeah, we're talking, you were just about, talking about that. Go ahead. Yeah, July 25th is the tentative start date, somewhere in, in mid to late July. But the 25th seems to be like the drop dead date for them. If they can't get going by the 25th, they're pretty much going to have to scrap it. But they want to get going by the 25th of July with the final game on the 20th of September of the NBA Finals. Then the NBA draft on the 25th of September. And then NBA free agency five days later. So it could be. A crazy fun can you imagine september i mean we've got uh golf majors being pushed back then i think the u.s open is in september now you've got the nfl presumably college football maybe baseball is up and running and running some sort of abbreviated 82 game season um the problem is the offer that came out yesterday from major league baseball owners yeah. seem to be really really short shorting the players with their salaries so yeah that that baseball is going to be tough because they make so much money off of fans due to the just volume of games they play 
um, that they're really going to be short on some of their income more than some of these other teams. I don't think their TV revenue is close to what the NBA and NFL do. Right. Um, Still better than hockey. Yeah. uh, And and hockey's going to make it work. Yeah, hockey's hockey's making it work. Um, So, you know, it it does make it a little tougher, and I think they're just doing some shrewd negotiating, but, you know, it – for some of these guys in the, in the, it's hard in baseball because you have such large rosters too, um, comparatively to basketball. And there's such a disparity in baseball. You have some guys making monstrous 30, 30, $35 million. And you have a lot of guys not even making a million. It was, uh, I saw something like half of the players in major league baseball make a million or less. 65% make, yeah. make less than a million dollars. Yeah. I think I saw. Yeah. So, so those guys, you know, if you're saying everyone has to take 50% off, well, those guys are going to struggle. I mean, struggle, struggle. struggle. Yeah. Finger quotes over but here. But here's the thing. If you're a big ticket player and you're at the end of your contract and you're getting ready to sign another deal and you go out and you play for $7 million of your $30 million salary and you get injured and now you've lost $23 million this year and how much money sure. down the road because of what happened. So I understand the player's perspective on this one. I really do. Yeah, they all have to work together. It really is a tough spot for both sides. I mean, the owners don't want to get fleeced, and the uh, players obviously don't want to you know, put themselves at risk for what they deem to be not fair. Um, the hard part for the owners is they already have a prorated uh, agreement built into their um, negotiations, and uh, they should just go with that. I mean, there's a prorated salary in case of strikes or this or that already added to their bargaining agreement, uh, but the owners want to do less than that, and that's where the big problem is. Yeah, not good. Not good. So- and then the NHL is firm on theirs. Theirs is done. Uh, the timeline of when it starts hasn't been uh, quite determined yet, but the format is has been determined. Run through that for us, Tom. So the top four in each conference, the East and the West, uh, we'll be playing round robins against each other for seeding. So you'll have those eight teams out doing their thing. And then the next, what is it? The next eight. The next eight. The next, in 16, each the next yeah. 16 teams yeah. will be playing each other in a best of five series. The winners of those best of fives will move on to play the remaining, the other teams that we've been playing in the round, round robin. Um, so that should be a lot of fun. We're going to see a lot of hockey. Um, in those games, and they, they sound like they're doing the two hub city as well, um, one for each conference, and kind of let it play out that way. There's hoping for Buffalo, right, so that yeah. we can go to games. Absolutely. You know, God willing, they've opened up the arena to some partial capacity at least. Right. And uh, my Boston Bruins have had a great season this year. I'm a little disappointed that they may not get the one seed now after having an amazing <laughs> year. Yeah. I mean, how often do you have a 100-point season before this stuff happens, have a 10-point lead in the East, and you may not end up as the one seed? So a little disappointing from that perspective. But uh, playoff hockey is one where you can be the eight seed and win the cup, as we've seen in the past. So yeah. this is uh, it's going to be exciting to start getting sports back. Absolutely. We're getting plans laid out for us. We're, we're hearing what they're going to do. Mini camps are opening in the NFL in June, so – these things are all very exciting for those of us that are huge sports fans out there. Yeah, it seems like the NFL is still full go-ahead, planning on having fans, planning on playing a full season. Um, obviously, a lot can happen between now and then, but they're still planning on having a regular year. So I love that, and 
Hopefully, it's exciting for hopefully us. Hopefully nothing uh, pops off the stop. And, and you as a season ticket holder for the Buffalo Bills, you've got to be hoping that the fans can make it to the arena. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, arena, I think, stadium, whatever. I think in football, uh, more than some of these other um, sports, it, it is a big advantage being at home um, because of the crowd. And it would be a little weird without crowds for some of those football, big football games. Um, you know, some of those, a Sunday night game under the lights with no crowds, a little odd. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see how that happens. And it'll be interesting if they don't have fans to see if there's more away teams winning, if that really has an impact. Yeah, if it has an impact or not. Yep. All right, Tom, what do we got next on the agenda tonight? All right. So now we're going to play guess this player, Kevin, it's your turn to give the clues and it's my turn to suffer and try to guess. Yeah. So, um, Let's let's go after this here. The category tonight that I selected is Maxwell Award winners for the best player in college football, meaning any position, whoever is deemed the best player in college football. The first player is a quarterback. All right. Who passed for 11,762 yards in his four years of college, 95 touchdowns and 39 interceptions. In his senior season, he passed for 37 touchdowns and 7 interceptions with 3,426 yards. In the NFL, he passed for 3,043 yards, 12 touchdowns, and 17 picks in 8 seasons. With 5 different teams. Tim Tebow. No. I thought I pegged it off the jump. (laughs) 5 teams, though, that's... Yeah. It's quite a quite a uh, merry-go-round there for someone highly touted. Um, and, and I will preface this with all of these are 2000 and, and more sure. recent. That's our that's kind of our baseline. We're going back 20 years is the max that we'll go back. Yeah. I'm not trying to kill anybody over here. Right. Um, okay. Five teams, only 3000 yards. Um, I got to ask questions here. Are they still active? No. think the five team thing would make it easier you would think um i had to give you a bone with that one yeah let's see here um did they play in the sec no i want to pinpoint the, the conference but i don't want to waste all my questions right there either um Let's see here. Did they play in the Pac-12? No. Big 12? No. You're killing me. So I'm going to just assume Big 10. Um, yeah. And I'm going to tell you that you will not get the conference correct. <laughs> Oh, it's got to be the Big East when it was still available, huh? Um, five teams. Best player of the year. Those NFL stats, there was no awards to go with them, right? No. No. No Pro Bowls. No. No, nothing. Nothing. Um, five teams. 
I can add this was a first round selection. Uh, it has to be a yes or no question. Crap. Was it um, pre-2005 that they were drafted? Um, it's very that, – that's the ballpark. Let me just I, – I don't think so. I think it's – Let me check. No. So it's after 2005. Yeah. They're already out of the league. Ken Dorsey? No. Dang. But you have one question left, I think. Um, I'll, I'll add this. They are a current NFL analyst. Analyst? Yes. Brady Quinn? Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> I had I gave a little tip there. <laughs> I'm glad I got that one right. <laughs> yeah. Tom, Tom's an Irish fan. He wouldn't have liked it if he, if he didn't get that right. Oh, man. I should have asked, did I watch his first career win in Buffalo? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on, number two. All right. This player won the Doak Walker Award, the Walter Camp Award, was a unanimous All-American, SEC Offensive Player of the Year, Heisman Trophy winner, national champion. In the NFL, he's been to one Pro Bowl and been named as a second-team All-Pro once. He has 38 rushing touchdowns in the NFL and averages 4.7 yards per carry for his career. Mark Ingram. No. Thought it was close. Um, so SEC, player of the year, offensive player of the year. Uh, I was right. Doak Campbell is running back, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Doak Walker. Doak Walker. Um, Doak Campbell Stadium. Yeah, Florida, Florida State. State. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. So we got a running back from the SEC. That's not Mark Ingram. He's only been to one Pro Bowl. Won the Player of the Year award. All right, let's ask some questions here. Only one Pro Bowl. Are they still active? Yes. Okay. Was there one Pro Bowl this year? Yes. Is it Derrick Henry? Yes. <laughs> I was close with Mark Ingram. Yeah. I had me on the right track. Yeah. I think I narrowed it down a little too much there. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. Um, number three. This player was the SEC Offensive Player of the Year. NFL Man of the Year. Ooh. Four-time Pro Bowler. Two-time Super Bowl participant. 57,023 passing yards, 366 touchdowns, and 244 picks. What were those NFL yards again? 57,023. Okay. 366 passing touchdowns, 244 interceptions. Eli Manning. Yes. Ah. <laughs> I gave you some layoffs tonight, honestly. I, I gave you a couple SEC ones. That, yeah. that last one was a good poll, though. Yeah. Yep. It's hard because you don't know which clue is going to give it away. 
I know. When you're setting up the clues, you're trying to figure out, like, how much am I going to give? Yeah. I I tried to throw you off by saying two times Super Bowl participant. Not winner. Yeah, or two times Super Bowl MVP. You yeah. Know, like, <laughs> oh, how many of those are there out there? Yeah. I got so, six guys to guess from. Yeah. But... So that was a uh, – that one I, – I might have been a little too soft on you. So in two weeks – I'm coming strong. <laughs> Great. <laughs> All right. Uh, Tom and I are going to take a quick break, and uh, we'll come back after the break. And, uh, Tom, what do we got left? We're going to talk a little bit about some uh, UFC. They've announced both a fight this weekend and then a pay-per-view coming up, and then NFL rule proposal changes. So, Yeah, stick with us. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner looking to ramp up your online presence? Websites, social media, video, and more? Lion Global can either do it for you, show you how to do it yourself by doing it with you, or completely run your entire online footprint. And we guarantee a 200% ROI or you don't pay us to help you. Get a free 30-minute strategy session to increase your business's revenue at lionglobal.com. That's lionglobal.com. And we are back. And thank you once again to our sponsor, Lion Global. Uh, appreciate all that Tom and his team do for us, including producing the amazing YouTube and Facebook Live content that we put together last week, as well as our draft content a few weeks back. So uh, without them, none of this would be possible. If you need any help, uh, reach out to Tom and his team so that they can help you out. Uh, also, Buffalo Dietitian. Uh, Rachel does an amazing job putting out uh, great information for everyone every day. So uh, follow Buffalo Dietitian on Instagram or go to buffalodietitian.com for more details on what Rachel can do for you. Tom, time to move on. What do we got? We're going to talk a little bit about the UFC card coming up this weekend. Um, they do have a fight night the 30th at 9 p.m. Um, the main event uh, is going to be a really fun one. Tyron Woodley and Gilbert Burns. Um, Two guys uh, can really finish some fights. Um, Woodley, the formerly cha former champion. Gilbert Burns been around for a long time. He's very good. Um, it should be interesting to see both of them uh, face up against each other. Yeah, and I'm just pulling up at DSI right now to take a look and see what, what kind of fight lines we have here and uh, see if we have any opportunities yeah. to make some money here. So on Bet Us, I have uh, Woodley's minus 190 favorite. Yeah, minus one ninety six here. So we've got a couple of fights here that are that are noteworthy to, to talk about. Um, Caitlin Jukagian, who just came off a, a big fight, uh, what a month ago in yeah. that that first card back, right? Yep. Um, she came up short, and now she's an underdog again at plus one eleven against Antonina Shevchenko. Yeah, the champ's older sister. Yeah, is this a thing where is Jukagian a, a good? A good bet here at plus 111? So I'm not really familiar with Antonia. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen her fight. I don't either. Uh, so. so it's kind of... I think I'm, first time in the octagon. So I definitely want to, you know, look into it. But, I mean, Chikagian's, she's very good, um, very skilled, been around, not going to be, you know, nothing's really going to throw her off, I wouldn't imagine. Yeah. The, the rest of the card is really... It's pretty soft. There's not a lot of names that you'll know. I like Louis Smolka, uh, who's on this card, and he's a huge underdog in this role at plus 221 against Casey Kenny, who I'm assuming is an up-and-comer. Um, 
I, I'm going to take a stab on Lewis Smolka on that fight just because I know that he can slug it out and he's not a bad fighter. Yeah, I'm interested in the, the Jamal Hill and the Clidson Abreu fight. Um, that should be a really good bout. Um, both of them, um, you know, any any give me any fight at the 205 weight class I'm in. Yeah. Because you know they, they can do everything at that weight class. And um, they're both on the come up, you know, so it's, it's very interesting to see them fight each other. Like we've talked about before, a lot of times these guys in these situations fight people who are, you know, gatekeepers. Yeah. Um, and they're fighting each other this time, and I think that makes that fight just that much more interesting to me um, to see which one kind of comes out on the other end and, you know, continues their climb. Tim Elliott's on this card as well. Um, so, you know, a free card on a, on a Saturday night here. On ESPN. Um We've got Blagoy Ivanov uh, fighting oh, yeah. against Augusto Sakai. Yeah, a couple of ranked heavyweights going at it. Yeah, so you've got uh, Ivanov, who is maybe not your typical uh, heavyweight. Six TKOs, six submissions, and six decisions in his 18 wins. Uh, his, lo- his most recent loss was to Derek Lewis via split decision. So he went the distance with the Black Beast who, you know, has got a ton of punching power. And then he won a couple of back-to-back decisions against uh, Ty Tuivasa and Ben Rothwell. Uh, Prior to that was a loss to JDS uh, by decision. Yeah. So he's fought some good fighters these last four fights. Yeah, he's solid. um, It's going to be interesting to see if, if Augusto Sakai has what it takes to hang with him. Uh, Ivanov is not probably going to be – he's not one that you're probably going to want to play in your uh, DraftKings lineup because he's just not a knockout guy. He's probably not going to get that spectacular finish. Uh, on the other hand, Augusto Sakai is coming in on a five-fight win streak, including knockout wins over Chase Sherman and Marcin, Marcin Tubora and a decision win over Andre Arlovsky. Sakai's on a roll here, and he's got 11 TKOs. He's won three decisions. He has one loss on his record to Czech Congo in 2017. Czech Congo, for those of you that haven't been watching UFC for a long time, <laughs> was, the, used to be the man. He he was a great fighter. He so that's no. Uh, he was a Nagano back yeah, in the day. Yeah, yeah. Just crushing people. And he's not somebody that you should feel bad about having a loss on your record to him. So 14-1 and one with the only loss to Czech Congo uh, via split decision yeah. in 2017. So, you know, over three years ago now. And I like Augusto Sakai in this fight. I think that he's, he's a, a great uh, play here at minus 110. And I love Spike Carlisle on this card. Um, Kevin's favorite. Because he is the alpha ginger, Spike Carlisle. Yeah, right. Um, riding a five-fight win streak. Um, his last fight, he won in a minute 25. He has looked very good. Um, I think this is someone they're, they're trying to build around a little bit. He's got the personality. He's a little brash, a little outspoken. Um, the, the UFC website even has like a, a picture of him leading into this fight card. So um, he's in that third bout against Billy... Uh, Quarantilo, who's obviously no joke um, in his own right, but Spike Carlisle, somebody I've, I, you know, definitely I remembered the knockout uh, a couple months ago, and I've been waiting to see who would fight again. So it's really exciting that it's this quick of a turnaround for him. 
Um, he's plus 115 in this fight, too. So Yeah, and, uh, you know, Quarantillo, he, he hasn't fought really a lot of names that you know. Right. Um, but he's got 10 finishes in his 13 wins. So this is a guy that, you know, he can fight. So I don't think that it's I, – I don't see the, – the odds don't make sense to me because I like Carlisle in that fight as well. And uh, Carlisle right now, you can bet at plus 115. Yeah. Quarantillo's minus 139. So – um, there are some betting opportunities here. Um, so hammered sports picks for this card, Car- Spike Carlisle at plus 115, Caitlin Chukagian at plus 111 for me, and uh, Augusto Sakai at minus 110, which will be my biggest bet of the night. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, depending on how the night goes, I mean, you might even put something on Burns. I mean, Burns is so good. He could definitely win that fight at plus 155 for a fighter that good. It's definitely worth a look. Yeah, I don't see why, I don't see why you wouldn't put a piece on it, especially if you've won <laughs> yeah. on some of the earlier wagers that we've given you. Don't get me wrong, Woodley's one of my faves, but Burns here's, is nasty. But here's another thing: Tyron Woodley has not been finishing guys. No, not like he did in the early part. Over four and a half rounds, this going the distance is plus one forty-five. Yeah. That's another option to to get some action on too. Yeah. So. If you like Woodley, I'd be playing the over four and a half because he's just going to control the bout. If you want to take a shot on Burns, then take the plus one fifty eight to win the fight outright. Those are the that's the those are the only two ways that I'm betting that fight. I'm not laying the minus one ninety on on uh, on Woodley, even though I think he's the the class of the fight. Yeah, they uh they had just announced all the fights for June six. We'll get into them next week, but pretty solid pay per view card. Um, What's the main event, Tom? Nunez and Spencer battling out. Oh yeah. Um. So, you know, uh, she's Nunez is amazing. I would imagine she's a fairly large favorite coming into this fight. No but, doubt uh, about it. I, I would guess probably plus six hundred or better. I don't know if that's, I don't know if they're up yet or not. Um. I, I can take a quick gander and see if they're up yet. Uh. Yeah. She <laughs> minus five eighty eight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bet US has her minus six hundred. Yeah. Wow. That's that's pretty good. I, I should do that for a living or something, right? <laughs> uh, and uh, Cody No Love Garbrandt against Rafael Sunsau. That's gonna be a great fight. Yeah. Garbrandt as a favorite, and then you've got a bunch of fights that are a couple of fights that are very evenly matched. Um. A lot of yeah, a lot of good matchups. A lot of people we know. Um, yeah. Going at it here. Sean O'Malley and Eddie Wineland. That fight, how much fun is that fight going to be? O'Malley's been awesome, and Wineland will just get in there and slug with anybody, right? Right. And, um, you know, they're, they're, I, I like this card. I can't wait to talk about it in more detail next week. So, uh, Tom, you're going to take the lead here on uh, the NFL rule changes. Yes. So, well, the NFL's getting ready to vote on some rule changes, so we're going to go over them, kind of weigh in our opinions on them here. Um, the first one, which was to expand defenseless player protection um, to a kickoff or punt returner who is in possession of the ball but has not had time to avoid or ward off the impending contact of an opponent. So I think that the defenseless player rule still is going to be there. They're not going to let you come down there and just absolutely light him up from the waist up. You know, I, I think that if you make a good, clean, hard tackle, I don't think that they're going to. The problem is, like you talked about, there's so much up for interpretation on yes. that. I hate seeing a 15-yard penalty for something that was potentially a clean and, you know, not necessarily dangerous hit. Yeah, so that's my problem with this is, you know, it, who get, I mean, how do you decide if he's had time to avoid or ward off impending contact of an opponent? 
Do we want football players running down there and standing there looking at the ref for the thumbs up that it's okay to tackle them? No. So it becomes a thing where it's an interpretation by each ref in the moment, and then that's when you. I think that's when you lead to these problems where fans feel like their team was shortchanged or players feel like they're shortchanged. The pass interference rule is the the most argued rule because it's all interpretive. And it sounds like they're taking that replay away, right? Yes, that that replay's gone. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's for the betterment of the game. At this point, you deal with it if if you got a bad deal on the call. But the delay that that was causing wasn't worth having that rule in place. They weren't overturning anything anyways. And... If there's a blatant situation late in a game, they've got the the fallback still with the, you know, booth reviews. So I, I think that that's going to be an option still, right? No, it's going to be not reviewable at all. Not reviewable at all nope. at all moving forward. Yep, yeah. So the, the whole reason that they they put that in was that uh, Saints Vikings game. game, right? Yep. That would not be revu- reviewable this year. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, they put a rule in because of one situation which is not uncommon in sports. The no. Chase Utley rule is commonplace. The, uh, who was it? Uh, Buster Posey, Buster Posey at, at home plate. Snapped. So there are, there are players and particular plays that are the tipping point for rule changes. But they determined that this rule was not worth the, you know, the yeah. delay and the well, it just turned out that interpretation. It, they couldn't overturn them. They can't overturn it because it's never clear. It's always gray area with pass interference. So you always just defer to the, the um, ruling on the field. Uh, very rarely is it completely blown like that one that was so highlighted in the NFC Championship game. Yeah, you don't miss many of those. And, no. and the fact that it happened in the NFC Championship game is a, a utter travesty. Yeah, travesty is the exact word I was thinking. But what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, prevent clock manipulation. So it's going to prevent teams from uh, committing multiple dead ball falls while the clock is running. I think this Patriots is a, rule, yeah. Yeah, this is a good rule. I love that it came back against the Patriots This in the playoffs. That was awesome. Yeah. Kudos to you, Titans. Uh, but it's a stupid rule, so I'm glad they're getting rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever thought of that. Um, they're going to modify blindside blocks to prevent unnecessary fouls. So this is a little bit of the uh, – they're trying to this limit the Bills more. playoff game rule, yeah. right? Yeah, so if it's not a, uh impactful block, it's no longer going to be considered blindside. So – Thanks. There's got to be force involved in the block, yeah. you right? You can't just get in the way and put your hands up and call it a foul. Right. Come on. Uh, let's see. They're going to make a permanent automatic review of scoring plays and turnovers. Um, I mean, I think that's everyone's happy with that, so it's a good, good move. Um, the big one. Here's the big one. Um, an alternative to onside kicks. It's going to allow a team who is trailing to – Try a fourth and 15 from their own 25-yard line. If they get it, they get to keep the ball. If not, the opposing team gets to take over wherever you end up. So if you throw an incomplete pass, the other team's got it. You're 25. Sorry. Um, It'll be an untimed down as well. This is a uh, great rule change by the NFL. The onside kick has become obsolete in its current state. There are very few recoveries on expected onside kicks. You still have the opportunity for surprise onside kicks based on this rule, as far as I understand, right? Yeah, that, that's something that was actually listed as a question here. Um, would you still be able to do them? I think that's going to be discussed when they kind of make the rule and how they write it up. But I, I think they are going to allow it because the, uh, the surprise onside kicks work, and they're yeah. fun. I mean, my 
solution to that is that any onside kick inside the last two minutes of the half or, or game have to be done in the new format. In that way, a surprise onside kick is still eligible to happen outside of those windows. Yeah. I think that, that if you close those windows, that's what this play is all about is late-game rallies. It's not about in the middle of the game somebody wants to try an onside kick. Nobody really does it. So allowing the onside kick in the middle of the game is still the surprise onside kick, if you will. It makes sense to me. So I hope that they can adopt this or something similar to it to prevent taking that out of the game. This was a rule in the XFL this year. Thieves. Yeah. Thieves. No, I love it. I love it. No, it's a great rule. It's way more entertaining, first of all. Onside kicks, 30 seconds, the other team, you know, literally three seconds, the other team just lands on the ball. That's the end of the the rally. Um, This, you have a, a fourth and 15, which isn't easy to convert, but it's definitely happens. Um, and then you're talking about things where what if there's defensive penalties at an automatic first down? Um, from the way the rule is written, it should be. So it'll be interesting to see if it's adopted, which I believe there's huge, um, a huge push for this rule. And if it is adopted, what kind of parameters that'll, that'll be. I like the rule a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, heard, I read something today along the bottom line quickly about Vince McMahon and the XFL, and he's not going to buy back the organization. I don't know yeah. if he lost it in bankruptcy or, or yeah, what. Yeah, he but. basically forfeited it to go through bankruptcy. It's, uh, you know, somebody at this point, if they wanted to, could buy it and yeah. out of bankruptcy court and try to keep it going. With the success that it saw this year, I, I don't I don't understand why. It's just, uh, if you're a smart person, it's just the wrong time to invest in a sports league with yeah. all that's going on. I think that's the biggest problem. Right. It, the, God, it sucks because it was really – I felt like it was taking off. I was, was loving great. the football. I was the football was much better than last time around. Yeah, it was still a little, a little innovative, but the, a lot more fun, a lot more competitive. Yeah, players are getting paid. Were drafted off the freaking teams. Yeah. Like, um. Yeah. They're I mean, taking rules over. I mean, it it was working. <laughs> it was a it was a, a really good product, and I'm sad to see it end the way that it ended. Yeah. And unfortunately, the the pandemic may have cost that league ever taking off the way that it could have because I think that people were starting, fan bases were starting to get charged up. Yeah, I mean, the TV viewerships were really good. Their network deals were great, and they were getting a lot of viewers, and fans were... They're, they're having 40,000, 50,000 people at a couple of those games. Yeah, the Battlehawks were rocking that stadium every time. Uh, The next rule... Um, I have two thoughts on this. Uh, it's going to restore preseason and regular season overtime to 15 minutes. Um, so my first thing is don't ever play overtime in a preseason game. The, the, it the teams matter. don't let it happen really anyway. No. So it, it, It's, oh man, if you were at a tie at a preseason game, just call it a tie. Who cares? Yeah. It doesn't matter. Just yeah. walk off the field. Um, I don't mind it in a regular season um, game. I think more often than not with the current rules, somebody's going to score. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of ties in the last couple seasons, though. So, right, yeah, give give it a little more time. You know, go back to fifteen minutes, because a team could bleed the clock, not score. The other team bleeds yeah. the clock, not score. And now we got ties. So, I mean, uh, or they could just go to a go to much, college. Go to, go to yeah, college. Go to a much superior format, which is the college football format. Yeah, it's the college football format's great. It's more fun. Yeah, it's even definitive the, winners. The youth football program that I coach plays a better format than the NFL and I know that teams they wouldn't ever adopt this but we we get the ball first and 10 from the 10 yard line 
on the first overtime and you got to score and give the other team a chance college style um, we came out on top in one of these this year you get four downs to score we scored on third down got an interception on their fourth down it's and then if you don't score if neither team scores or you tie after that it moves to the five yard line and then it moves to the three yard line so uh, even that is better i get i get it you don't want to give wins and losses in only 16 games to teams based on a shootout rule but i don't I see it that them. way you should have won you should have won in the regular format of the one yeah. hour game you had to play win in regulation if you yeah. don't want the 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 short shootout style rule then you know what win in regulation yeah i think the uh, shootout rule allows for, there's no ties because you're playing till there's winner and if you want to talk about player safety you're running far fewer plays in those situations yeah because you're starting at the 25 yard line yeah there's not a lot of plays to be run there you're you're just go 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 there's no special you're not punting and fielding punts and having those big collisions none of that's happening i'm not sure what the big hold up is from from adopting that rule when the college has been so successful with it it's a it's a blast i love college overtime yeah i mean i hate it when my team's in it oh yeah anxiety but it's or if you've got a wager on the game it's fun to watch i mean end of the day it is fun entertainment and that's what this is supposed to be yeah no doubt um there's another clock rule uh provide the option for the defense uh for the game clock to start on a referee signal if the defense declines an offensive penalty that occurs late in either half yeah so the offense can't commit a holding penalty and stop the clock and stop the clock the defense could choose to have the clock restart when the ball's ready to play which is i think it's a good rule makes sense makes sense you, you, you give the advantage to the team that did not commit the penalty. Right. Clock management regard. You know what? No matter what. Clock management situation. And offense, it, the reason that they don't allow them to run another play if they commit a penalty is so that they can't just intentionally commit a penalty and run another play if it wasn't successful. So, they're, uh, I mean, some of these rules are common sense kind of things that should be added, and it's good that they continue to evaluate them. Yeah. Um, the next two are about adding officials. They're going to add a to add a booth umpire as an eighth game official to the crew, and to add a senior technology advisor uh, to the referee to assist the officiating crew. Um, we talked about this before. I'm all about getting as many eyes on the field and people in charge of stuff. Um, you know, do the best you can. Right? The more eyes you have on the game, the more likely you're not going to miss something like that Saints Vikings play. <laughs> right. So no no objections yeah no no objections on either of those so um nothing really groundbreaking i think the two big ones would be um the onside kick rule and if they do change to 15 minute overtimes that would have an impact on yeah no on doubt season that would be noticeable uh, everything else seems to just be common sense so yeah um that is it for today yeah next week um we'll we'll wrap some of the uh ufc stuff we'll talk uh, a little more. Well, of course, we'll have another name that player, which oh, has yeah. been wildly successful, if you ask me. A lot of fun. And um, what else do we have? Some hopefully any NBA, NHL, baseball updates. Yeah, absolutely. Any any kind of updates we get, we'll we'll go over what we think and uh, how it's going to work. Um, other than that, enjoy. I think I think next week's episode we'll do golf week one preview. 
Yeah, we're um, coming up as, close on that. Yeah, as we'll release the pod probably on Thursday or Friday, so we'll release the details for the following, the tournament that's going to kick off on the 11th. Yeah, that'll work. So excited to talk about a little golf. Um, thanks for listening, guys. It's been a great time again talking sports and um, continue to follow us on our social media platforms, hammeredsportspod.com. Also, if anyone's interested, Hammered Sports Podcast t-shirts now available. Absolutely. Reach out, hit us up on social media, let us know, and, and we'll give you the details. So uh, I know once, I already got mine. Yep, I got mine. Tom's got his. Uh, we're rocking our hammered sport, our new Hammered Sports logo, which you'll also see debuting on social media here this week. So uh, once again, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great night. Have a good one.